Before we get to our guest, I wanted to talk to you about something that's really important to me, which is privacy. Moving money around, moving information, sending messages in today's world with Web 3.0 coming down the pike, privacy is very critical, especially to a journalist like myself. Utopia P2P is a complete privacy ecosystem. It's a 360 degree approach to privacy. It includes everything you need to move information or value around the world. It includes a encrypted messenger service, an email platform, and cryptocurrency payment system. It's fully decentralized, so it's not on any main server. It's based on blockchain, so it's distributed. It has an unmatched level of security. It has a feature-rich toolkit on the system uh, that supports 28 languages. There's a very low barrier to entry, and it also supports Bitcoin and also their coin internally. So if you're looking for a way to move information and money around the world where you don't want prying eyes uh, looking at what you're doing, go to Utopia P2P and have complete privacy on their system. And now let's get to our guest. Welcome to American Conversations. Uh, today, Todd Wood and I have invited Del Wilbur, who was with the CIA for many years, and uh, to discuss what's happening in Russia, Ukraine, but also the expansion of <clears throat> the uh, commitments by not just NATO, but also within, uh, you know, across the Atlantic and Canada and the United States. So I first want, I want to read off some facts for the public to understand, because this is expanding and it's expanding exponentially when you realize how the map has expanded uh, with these commitments. The day after Ukraine, uh, the day after Russia invaded um, Ukraine, the White House approved a package of $350 million to Ukraine for weapons and equipment. The European Peace Fund, which is set up by NATO, has promised money to Ukraine. The French, the UK, and the US have created, and this has been in the works for a couple of years, but it's now being implemented, the International um, the International Coordination Center that will be run for equipment through Poland. The Sweden, Finland, Dutch, uh, the Czech, Estonia, Poland, and Germany have uh, are, are moving troops around, and they, in fact, um, and then we have Poland, Hungary, and Moldova accepting refugees. Germany has uh, committed, has moved some troops and equipment to Lithuania, Romania, Slovakia. The Brits have committed troops and equipment to Estonia, Poland, and Cyprus. Canada has moved troops into Latvia. Denmark has got a frigate on the Baltic Sea. So, gentlemen, Dell, let's start with you first. What does that tell you about the expansion that's happening now? Well, I mean, it, obviously, they're, they're taking the threat from Russia seriously, which they should, because uh, I don't think Vladimir Putin uh, intends to stop, you know, with U Ukraine. Uh, but I think uh, I, I hope that they're planning for, uh, you know, Putin, as an old KGB hand, is, is very well uh, familiar with information operations, influence operations, disinformation, uh, creating opposition groups within countries and stirring up trouble that way. Uh, I think those are the things that that they have to really start focusing on, because I, I foresee that happening. Um uh, within some of the target countries that that you mentioned, uh, they're going to start experiencing some of those some of those issues because that's you know that's his uh, bread and butter. So you know I think it's something we need to uh, look at in addition to his military activities. 
Todd, you just came back there, you know, mm -hmm. the last couple of days. Did, did you see, I mean, when you were there, did you hear about this expansion at the time? Or were you just too close to ground zero in Kiev and the rest of the country? Well, NATO is, you know, the Biden regime is ginning up all kind of, you know, I guess I, I would look at it as hype and hysteria about this as far as moving troops around and, and looking to possibly get into some kind of conflict there. Uh, it's very prudent to uh, provide deterrence, obviously. Uh, but on the ground in Kiev, I did not see... Uh, what we did see is a lot of saboteurs that were in the country, probably sleeper cells that had been there for a long time and that the locals were going after. Uh, and yes, Dell is very correct. In Moldova and other countries and, and other Soviet bloc countries and the, the former Warsaw Pact, they're very active with information operations in country trying to you know, get governments in charge that are in their favor. Um, that's The Baltics are a very good example of that, where they have a large Russian-speaking population that he typically uses as an excuse to, um, you know, commit uh, active measures against those areas. So, um, I, but the, the buildup, I, I don't see that. I mean, there's a lot of moving pieces, but, and I know a lot of the American Air Force and other parts are on alert, but I don't see this into moving, you know, 7,000 troops to Germany or whatever is not that big a deal. If, if they start trying to talk about enforcing a no-fly zone or something like that, and that's a whole other level. Explain that to the public why it's important about the no-fly zone as being one of those pivotal tipping points. Because that includes shooting down Russian aircraft, frankly. So you're going to be in a position where you have Western Air Forces controlling the skies or attempting to above Kiev, which probably wouldn't be that difficult to do, but uh, it would open up a whole other can of worms because we'd be actively fighting Russian forces at that point. So, you know, frankly, I don't think this is a, a good idea to get in a hot war for the United States in this precarious position we're in, where we have no leadership, uh, where we have no money, we're 30 trillion in debt. Uh, and I just don't think that's the right place for the United States at this point. Dell, what are you hearing from your sources overseas? You know, the, the one thing that that uh, that I've heard more than anything from a lot of people that I talk with in that is that Putin is, uh, above all, he considers himself a Russian patriot, but he's also a student of history. And he, he knows very clearly what happened in Hungary in 1956, I believe it was, and then later in Czechoslovakia in 1968. You know, the, the, the Hungarians and the Czechs threw up uh, resistance uh, for a brief period, and then they succumbed to overwhelming Soviet uh, military might. And I think he anticipates the same thing in Ukraine. Uh, once he is established in Ukraine, once again, he's going to use that as his base of operations to go back and start targeting, as, as I mentioned in my earlier comments uh, about uh, trying to create dissension within those target countries um, and, uh, and, and then weaken them, you know, both from within and uh, uh, and then make them more vulnerable to uh, outside influences and that. So that's the kind of thing that I hear a, a lot of from from other people and that that have a similar background to mine is uh, uh, is all of those types of uh, active measures, I guess, uh, that uh, that we're going to probably see in the coming day. You know, you got, you got to understand Putin's about 70 years old now or, or going to be. He will and, be in uh, 70 in October. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think he, he looks at this as his last best chance of restoring the Soviet Union to its, 
uh, you know, it's uh, it's grandeur when it was uh, an empire. And uh, uh, he's not so much, uh, you know, a diehard Soviet communist as he is. He considers himself a Russian patriot. And, uh, you know, he, he believes that, as he himself stated, that the, uh, the dissolution of the Soviet Union was the biggest catastrophe of the 20th century. And uh, uh, he intends to rebuild it. And he looks at Biden administration as his last, last best chance of doing that. I don't want to psychoanalyze uh, Vladimir Putin, but, I, but let's just talk about this from an intel point of view. For every leader in the world, there is a there's a dossier that's built on what makes them tick and not tick. Del, have you heard anything from any of your sources about how they see Putin now and how he may have changed? Just you know, uh, not in any great detail on that. They, uh, I think, again, uh, what I hear from other people and, and my own opinion is Putin views this as his best opportunity. And he is he is someone that takes advantage of opportunity. And, uh, you know, so whether he's uh, experiencing some sort of, of uh, uh, mental issues or something, uh, I, I, I'm not, a, you know, I'm not a psychoanalyst or whatever or a psychiatrist. I'm not, not really in a position to judge that. But I do know the man enough to know that he is certainly someone who takes advantage of opportunity. And that's what he's doing right now. Todd, do you have any thoughts on that? Because you're a scholar of Russia. No, uh, Dell's right. I mean, this is an opportunity, not just for Russia, but for China, Iran, everyone else. Uh, I think that the, the Biden administration is so corrupt that, you know, I, I mentioned on recently that we reported a few years ago that during the Crimean annexation, when Joe Biden was vice president, he was meeting with his son, Hunter, with Gazprom officials trying to get pipeline deals out of Russia. So they, they don't give a crap about Ukraine. I mean, they want power and money. And I see this as really gang warfare between the the globalists and the kleptocrats in Moscow and who can you know control the, the chess pieces and make the most money. I mean, that's, that's the way I see this. I mean, Ukraine has been uh, for a long time a playground for money laundering for Clintons and all of them. I mean, they all have sons that somehow show up in, in, in working for Ukrainian gas companies to make millions of dollars. Every one of them, Kerry, Obama, Clinton. Um, so that's, you know, well, not Clinton, but I mean, they're involved over there. So, um, you know, I see this as really uh, a war between people trying in a, a much bigger agenda than just Ukraine. I, I think Ukraine is just a pawn. Vladimir Putin definitely wants to do what Dell is saying he wants to do and restore the glory to the Russian empire and more of a czarist figure than a communist. Uh, but uh, I, I frankly don't think he has the force structure to do this for very long. It's not the Red Army that was, uh, you know, during the Cold War. And he's uh, he doesn't have much money. He can't project power. That's his problem. He has a lot more troops in Russia, but he can't project power. He doesn't have airlift. He does, you know, so three IL-76s have been shot down over Kiev. I think, you know, so he's almost getting to a place where he needs an off-ramp. And that's what I hope happens. What happens in a situation like this, Dell, for for an off ramp? I mean, you know, everybody keeps on talking about, you know, we need to bring people cooler heads to the to the table. Um, Putin, if you put the cat in the corner, he 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 is going to want to save face. But is there any way that you could bring people to the table? Well, yes, there there is a way, uh, but it's it's not going to be easy because. Uh, what's going to have to happen is Putin is going to have to uh, start feeling the more pressure and more heat 
not just from the the people at home back in Russia, because he can he can stomp that down. Okay, he can he can, you know, bring in the secret police or whatever, and and he can he can beat down the opposition in his own country, but he needs to start feeling some heat from the people surrounding him, and they're not um, uh, they're not oblivious to what's going on. They, they have access to the Western media and that. They're not oblivious to what's going on and how Russia is being portrayed. And there has to be some, some perhaps subtle ways that, that they can be reached. And because they're the ones that are going to change Putin. Putin's not going to respond to anything from Biden or, or anybody in NATO. I mean, he could care less what, uh, you know, what, how we, try to sweet talk him or cajole him, whatever. Uh, but he will respond to, to influence within his, his inner circle. And I think that's where we need to be targeting uh, some of our message about uh, uh, perhaps providing an off-ramp that, uh, that Putin can save face for himself because he, he understands, uh, he remembers, again, he's a student of history. He remembers what happened to Khrushchev after the Cuban Missile Crisis when he, you know, quote unquote, blinked. You know, it wasn't very long after that, and Khrushchev was, you know, walking around uh, with a metal detector and a pair of Bermuda sharks, you know, so uh, uh, he was no longer the premier. And that's exactly what Putin uh, is fearful of for himself if he uh, is not able to extricate himself from this situation uh, in a face-saving way. Do either one of you think that that was the strategy behind going after the oligarchs um, that was recently announced by, pardon me, recently announced by uh, the Biden administration? Todd? Yeah, sure. They're trying to do that. I mean, but they're talking out of both sides of their mouth while they're continuing to pump and buy Russian oil. Um, and, and weirdly, I just read an article that uh, after shutting down our energy industry and allegedly shutting down Russia's, at least to the West, now they're going to start buying oil from Iran. I mean, there's so many back-end agendas going on at the White House that, you know, here's what I think. This regime in our White House is corrupt. I don't trust them to run a war. I don't trust them to tell the truth. And I think the best, I see this as the disease and everything else is a symptom. And, you know, people, I've said this before, Christine, the only president in the last 30 years that's actually killed hundreds of Russians in combat was Donald Trump in Syria when the Wagner mercenaries came in and he waxed them with uh, AFSOC air power. So, you know, that's, you know, gunships and the like. And, and the only one who's armed Ukraine is, is Trump. And, and I think Putin respected Trump. Let me turn off this phone. And I, the, the answer to this, I think, is to get a stronger leader in our White House that can deal with this and, and put this, you know, genie back together. Dale, let me ask you this. Um, they had the vote uh, on the UN, the, the Russian situation, and they had the vote at the UN last night. And North Korea, Syria um, voted with Russia. Um, they voted against the sanctions. And they, they had a host of uh, countries where the Chinese have had some uh, economic coercion going on for 25 years in Africa. Um, and they vote. They did. They they voted on the same side as the Chinese, who remained neutral, as did India. What does that tell you? And what what is that in, in terms of you know how this is running down right now? When you when you have India, China remaining neutral in the Security Council, and many of the the countries that they have uh, built infrastructure in for the last twenty five years. 
Well, the short answer is it tells you that the reach of uh, the Communist Chinese Party is far and wide, and uh, uh, as it is in our own country. So, you know, I, you, you, there's for throughout its history, the the United Nations, there's always been, you know, the handful that have allied themselves with back in the, the days of the Soviet Union with Russia. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's understood and, and accepted fact that it's always going to happen. Uh, I was curious uh, uh, about India's, uh, I, I guess they abstained from uh, right. from voting. And uh, I, I did find that that's somewhat curious because uh, there has been some tension between India and China uh, recently. And uh, so I... Uh, you know, as as Todd said, our administration, the Biden administration is so corrupt and, you know, everything that he did for the last 50 years in Washington, you know, while his his time in Washington and that is well known by our enemies. Uh, the, the, the Chinese have a dossier on Biden, his family and his corruption is probably encyclopedic uh, the same way with with Russia. And. You know, so the it's hard to say how, uh, uh, as Todd said, again, we're not getting out of anything uh, with this leadership that we have or lack of leadership that we have. You know, we I, I, it scares the hell out of me because we've got we've got three more years or almost three more years of this guy. And, you know, I, I hear people talking about impeachment and everything well what's that going to give us you know for one thing we don't have enough votes in the senate to remove him from office anyway but secondly that's going to elevate you know kamala harris and she's if not as bad or worse than what the existing situation is so uh we're on for a long ride i think because you know we really don't have any influence uh, on the world stage uh, at this time because biden is such a weak and corrupt leader so uh, we're in for a long ride. Todd, do you, th do you think bringing back some of the people from the Obama administration, like Susan Rice, like uh, Jake Sullivan, like uh, Samantha Powers at USAID, Tony Blinken, who worked for um, vice president, he, he worked with him, I think, when he was Senator Biden, but he also worked with him on foreign affairs as vice president. Do you, th you think it's, you think it's, it's um, kind of coincidental that we have some of the same people from the Biden administration back again, and they had screwed up so many things. No, it's not coincidental at all. This is all planned. I mean, this is the third Obama term. This is the same policies, you know, appeasing Iran, hating Russia, starting wars. I mean, this is the same crap we had under Obama for eight years. I, I just hope and pray the American people see through it now instead of, you know, the love fest they had with this guy during the Obama administration. Um, but Obama's running things, or, or the he's part of it at least. So, you know, Rice and Jarrett, they're all right on board. Um, so this is the third Obama term, and, and they have the same policies. They just are trying to do it faster than they, they learned their lesson that, that they had to do it faster to destroy the country and to reduce our power on the world stage. And that's what they're trying to do. And so it's up to us to, to get rid of them. Dale, you and I first met when, when I was investigating the Benghazi attack. Do you do you see uh, any danger to our troops if if we get involved? I mean, do you feel that the, that the loyalty is there to our troops? Because there's something about the fact that we're thirty trillion dollars in debt. And what's uh, what, what's Afghanistan? What's Afghanistan tell you? 
Okay. Right. Where was the loyalty to those 13 Americans who were killed in Afghanistan? You know, uh, I, everything that Todd says is, is absolutely spot on. We, we're, we have a, a, a uh, you know, I hear these talking heads all the time on television. Okay. And they're talking, they're, they're questioning why Biden does this or why Biden does that, or why doesn't he do something? The fact of the matter is Biden follows his instructions. Okay. You know, Obama slips or slides a, a slip of paper in front of him and says, sign here and Biden signs. The, the person pulling the strings is, is Barack Hussein Obama, and he has been doing it from, from day one. And, uh, you know, I'm sorry, but, uh, you know, when you surround yourself with uh, what I refer to them as the Obamunists, because that's what they are. They're, you know, probably communist light. Uh, you know, Obama was not able to achieve his, his quote unquote fundamental transformation of America during his eight years. So by God, he's going full bore at it now uh, under Biden, and he is absolutely the one that is pulling the strings on this administration, uh, you know, from uh, Martha's Vineyard or Hawaii. Let's talk about Davos, elephant in the room. What does Davos get out of this, Todd? Uh, they want to get rid of Putin. End of story. They, he's explain, not on board. That, explain that to, to, to the public. Why, why is it in Davos's best interest to get rid of Putin? Because he won't play along with the globalist games. I mean, I'm not a Putin supporter. I think he's done horrors to the Russian people. He's destroyed their chance at a, a free country. Uh, he's repressed, he shut down all the free media today in country. He's probably gonna close the borders. He's hurting the middle class. He's, you know, he's protecting the oligarchs at the expense of the, the little guy, but he doesn't play the globalist game. So they wanna get rid of him. And that's just the truth. So that's that's why all this is happening. And this is why all this ginned up, uh, you know, hysteria that we're all getting in the war and everything. That's my fear as this goes farther. It's not about Ukraine. Uh, you know, I love the Ukrainian people. I've spent a lot of time there. They're fantastic people. And, uh, you know, I support their efforts to defend themselves. But, uh, you know, the, the, we have to understand this is much bigger than just Ukraine. Dale, any of your any thoughts about the, the how the Davos crowd plays into this? I mean, I don't know that I could add anything more to what uh, than what Todd just said. I mean, uh, you know, uh, Putin is entrenched, you know, for the moment, and like I said, it's going to take uh, it's going to take his inner circle to uh, to pry him out because he's he's not going anywhere uh, of his own free will and. Uh, you know, and, and as as Todd said, he's he's been nothing but uh, uh, a, a dead weight on the Russian people. He's he's held them back. He's 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 pushed them down. Uh, Vladimir Putin has been all about Vladimir Putin and his grandiose, you know, delusions of grandeur. I guess is is the correct term. And uh, uh, and I I just don't see foresee him going anywhere unless his inner circle decides it's time. So. Gentlemen, we're in for a long haul. Thank you very much. We'll have you back, Dale. Okay.